Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. August 30, 2019, commemorates 20 years since the East Timor referendum on independence. After nearly 300 years of colonial rule, Portugal withdrew from East Timor in 1975, sparking a bitter rivalry between local groups that ended in Fretland forces declaring East Timor independent. Indonesia invaded nine days later, beginning a brutal regime of occupation that would last until 1999. More than 200,000 East Timorese died and many more suffered during massacres, torture and starvation. Carla Chung is an organiser with the United Workers' Union. She's East Timorese and an East Timor independence activist. She both grew up in East Timor and is one of the younger generation of activists that she says is continuing to fight for East Timor's future. She joins me on today's program. Basically, since 7th of December 1975, they invited us. There were a lot of killings happening. Um, You know, people uh, suffer, people were displaced. Um, Children and parents, they were separated. Um, There were um, people uh, died from starvation. Uh, malnutrition and all this other issue um, but by the time we get to the 1980s um, Shanana Guzman um, at the time um, did a campaign and call uh, to all the people in East Timor to unite and it's known as the union the, un- the, the union movement of uh, Timor for independence and I remember I was a kid, and um, you know there were like cassettes of his his call for unity um, happened during that time. And um, so when the people stand up and unite, it makes us very strong. And it's also we didn't actually uh, just our struggle went supported by um, our very um, strong comrade all over the world, people who. Uh, give us international solidarity and um, you know specifically like Australian people and a lot of people all over the world were you know basically supporting us in in many ways a lot of journalists go in and out and try to get the information and the news outside and then by the time 12th of November 1991 you know the real story get out there Um, after all this cover-ups in many many years I think 12th of November 1991, when youth um, went on a peace protest and was gunned down in a Dili cemetery, and that's the turnaround that the international world started to pay attention to the atrocity that has been happening in East Timor. Well, in order for Indonesia to maintain its control of East Timor against the wishes of the East Timorese people, uh, it must have instituted a very, very brutal regime. You've talked a little bit about it, but what was life like for ordinary East Timorese during the Indonesian occupation? It was basically um, a lot of fears. Um you know, fears that if you come out and, you know, declare yourself as an independent supporter, 
um, you you will be prosecuted and um, sometimes you you disappeared and a lot of people in Timor disappeared I know a lot of people who who's been taken away and never come back we don't even know where they were went even after the referendum, Indonesia still maintained a presence, uh, causing political fractures, inciting more violence. Can you tell me about the role of Indonesia even after the referendum? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible, big mistake that was done by the UN and the international community for trusting Indonesian then to secure the peace during the ballot time and after. Um, even there was many evidence shows that the, the militias back up by Indonesian caused many atrocities. Um, you know, there's been so many killings and, you know, there's been like massacres here and there um, uh, during the occupation, but it was ignored. Uh, I don't know for, again, this is, what happened and and as we speak right now um exactly exactly the same atrocity is happening in west papua as we speak like they are arresting people they're torturing west papua and they're killing them and it is terrible that the whole international world just is like quiet like there, there was like somebody's gonna come out and like you know some leaders in in the world need to speak up about it before there's too, way too many atrocities and way too many people get killed because Timorese people understand what West Papuans are going through because we've been there and we have suffered and we, at the time what happened to us, no one was doing anything until the worst happened and it's just, um, it is best to prevent things like that to happen but again, this is just um, the same terrible thing happened again and again. I, I'm very upset and disappointed about it. Well, I mean, you talked about um, whose job it was to maintain the peace during the referendum period. Australia was sent in as peacekeeping forces at that time too, 1999. It divided us on the left here in Australia. So some parts of the left said, no, absolutely, um, sending peacekeeping forces is an imperialist manoeuvre. We should not send Australian troops into um, East Timor, while others said we must uh, support the East Timorese people are calling for this and we must stop the killings and we must stop the, the massacring on the streets. Did you have a view? Do you have a view on Australia sending keep, get peacekeeping forces in, in 1999? Well, um, for in, in my you know, honest opinion, um, I would have wished that it, it shouldn't, should never get as bad as it gets in ninety nine where we required an intervention. It should have been prevented. Uh, but at the time, at that time, I can tell you, um, because I was, all the Timorese people was in fears of losing their family. My mum and dad, my siblings, my family, my extended family, my friends, um, their, their life was under threat. And, you know, I was one of these demonstrators who'd go down the street and, like, campaigning to get everybody to come down and, and support us to basically demand the government to send peacekeeping force because if they didn't go, um, I don't know what would happen. They would wipe us out 
it would be killing spree. Yeah, it, it was it was a difficult discussion for all of us and there was no question at the time yeah. that it was absolutely critical. We needed to find a way to stop the killing. But based on yeah. that military uh, intervention and military presence, Australia stayed in East Timor until 2007. Surely this we can only understand as imperialism, especially in the context of the Oil Revenue Memorandum of Understanding Australia's interest in um, how the revenue for that oil would be distributed. What, to, what can you tell us about that, the Memorandum of Understanding that was signed in 2007 and how the revenue was supposed to be split? Yes, look, look um, to be honest with you, um, you know, if you look at the reality, like... Um, Australian government is protecting its business interests, um, like it's it's actually company's business interests, um, such as Woodside. And if we looked into the, um, the sites of Coralina Laminara, which is the uh, western lateral uh, boundary of Timor Leste, um, that case Timor Leste has got nothing, and Australia get five billion royalties. Um, tax royalties from Woodside and then in the sites of Bayu Undang which is um, Timor Leste got 90% um, while Australia get 10% but it should be 100% for Timor Leste under the UNCLOS if we go median line where Australia shouldn't have anything um, and then um, in 2014 ABC Four Corners uh, did a bit of a kind of like a touch on the helium plan um, which might belong to Timor uh, but you know still you know Timor in such a weak position basically we don't have all the human resources to kind of you know help us um, to win over Australia and that's a reality for us like we it's almost like um, um Everything that might be ours is is not ours, and, um, and 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 it's sad. And then if we talked about the new treaty, then I can tell you more about it. We will talk about the new treaty in a moment. I, I want to yeah. talk just a little bit more about this, um, the Memorandum of Understanding and the pressure that this tiny country, East Timor, has been under because of those oil reserves. So what you talked about earlier, about your mother saying oil was East Timor's curse. So in 2012, yeah. I want to talk about Witness K, obviously. So Witness K was a whistleblower who came forward in 2012 accusing Australia of spying on internal cabinet meetings of East Timor in order to gain an advantage in the Timor oil negotiations. So what you were talking about in terms of how unfair the split was and how Australia took an interest, but if it was done on the median line between Australia and Timor, Australia would be entitled to nothing. At the time that the news broke out uh, about Witness K, were you surprised that Australia had conducted itself in this way to gain that economic advantage over East Timor? Not at all. It's a a typical colonial dominant style or approach where, you know, (laughs) you know, it's it's not a surprise at all. Like, you know, I... I, um, even like right now, what 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 the government's 
Hillings are uh, towards Witness K and Bernard Clary. Um, you know, to the Timorese people, Witness K and Bernard Clary are the heroes because they're speaking out the truth, knowing the fact that Timorese people um, are very poor. You know, we, we are in need of the money that is ours to build hospitals, build roads, to to have a better education and, you know, to feed our children. Um, while Australia, such a, su- such, such a rich country, um, do such a ter- terrible things in the name of profits or money. Um, and the worst thing is, Witness K and Bernard Kulari, um they have to go to jail for speaking out the truth, you know, for coming out with good conscience, um, for for um, for protecting the Timorese people's interests because they know Tim- if Timors are really poor, we need the money. Australia doesn't need it, and you know what what the Australian government currently is doing by trying to prosecute them, um, you know, you know, putting them into court and. This is just a tactic of scaring people to speak the truth in the future about any wrongful conduct that the government is doing. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accented Women. I'm speaking with Carla Chung from the United Workers' Union. She's also an East Timor independence activist. We're discussing East Timor's future in the context of the 20-year anniversary of the independence referendum. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about the poverty um, that the people in East Timor live in because, you know, whilst Australia is strong-arming East Timor over oil revenue and so on, we know that the East Timorese are suffering crippling poverty. What is What has life been like in East Timor in the 20 years post-independence? Well, Timor... Timor, after all the struggle, um, um, we, we're trying to do our best. We're trying hard to do our best to to build our country from ashes. Because when the militias left, they burnt everything. You know, they we were left with nothing. But um, I'm just coming back from East Timor and I can see that, you know, People are building their house. Things are happening, but but we we definitely need to build our education sectors. We definitely need to have have better you know health system. You know to put more money in the health system because right now I can tell you like our our, our general hospital we we don't have like uh, we don't have the the you know. Um, advanced facility or equipment like you know general hospital in Australia so we need to you know build those we need to build better roads better school system and you know um, give people better wages so that they can actually um, bring home the money and feed their kids and it's just like doing everything that we could to make changes to the people's lives so tell us, what is the status of the Timor oil negotiations now? Um, I know that there has reached a final agreement. Is that final agreement fair? 
are not fair at all uh, because I think I um, I was reading um, under Article 10 of the treaty, it says that um, both of the country should never claim any compensation, um, which means for Timor, uh, for all the things that was taken unfairly, all the things that belongs to us, the oil, the gas that was taken from us, um, in a really bad way, like you know, basically Australian governments are stealing from us, um, which means we can't claim compensation. It says basically you can't claim compensation at all, and 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 that it's it also say that um, Australia is getting thirty percent out of um, the split of oil, oil and gas. Uh, when it should have been like probably about ninety five percent to a hundred percent. If it's under, you know, if you if you go back and if if the um, UNCLOS median line was to be established, um, it's ninety probably ninety five percent to a hundred percent should be belongs to Timor, not thirty percent. This is specifically to the side of Greater Sunrise. So. Why did East Timor then withdraw its case against Australia in The Hague? Firstly, what was the case about? Well, well, the, the, the thing that I found out was that at the time, the head of the legal team at the time was um, Bernard Kulari, and um, he actually found out on the news that the, that the case was pulled out uh, without knowing what happened exactly, which actually raised a lot of questions. Like, um, um, I, I kind of had this kind of gut feeling that if the case was to proceed through, um, it would have benefited Timor uh, in the long run in terms of, like, having more advantages sort of, like, uh, more advantages to the Timorese government and uh, basically that because um, the obiter dicta which is the reason that would be um, that would be shaped around why the decisions are made um, will actually help Timor establishing all the line of looking at how the how to distinct to to make sure that how the lines are split um, I, I've actually think that uh, some foul play is happening, but you know, maybe that Australian media should put into some kind of investigation into this because you know it would be like a big question to ask if you have a head of legal team and this person who's a head, head of legal team don't know what happened exactly at the time that the case has been pulled out. My question is, as a Timorese Australian, is that for the benefit of Timorese kids for the future, we need to know why, who authorised for the case to be pulled, why the case need to be pulled, and you know what was the reason behind the case need to be pulled? Because that's like that's just a, a really good thing to to investigate on because. I think it's just really dodgy because if we have the case decided, then I, I believe that Timor will benefit a lot from the decision.
because thing will be the, most of the, the the reason for the decision will be written on black and white. Well, there's no shortage of peculiar things happening and foul play happening in East Timor. I mean, in 2008, I think we saw the alleged um, attempted coup against the government, which we know was not really an attempted coup. And uh, and there was the um, attempted assassination on um, Jose Ramos Horta and and then later that was found out not to quite be an attempted assassination. So... Um, a lot of the this uh, uh, fa- uh, strange conduct is not uncommon. Uh, it just goes to show how desperate capitalism is to maintain the use of oil, a depleting natural resource, um, but to maintain the use of that oil and the lengths that it will go um, to to keep that in play. So what is next for the people of East Timor, one of the newest countries in the world with all of the poverty that it is dealing with, with all of the circling imperialist countries trying to strong arm it for its oil revenue? What is next for East Timor? Well, what is next for East Timor is definitely like we, as the young generation people would like to... Um, you know, fight for justice and, and and making sure that whatever that is ours is ours. As, um, well, I quote from one of their journalists, local East Timorese journalists um, questioned Mr. Scomo in related to Article 10 of the new treaty, saying, well, you know, according to the new treaty, you know, the country can't actually, both of the country can't claim compensation. So what will happen to what if all the you know, oil and gas that was taken off Timor that was not belongs to Timor, will Australia give it back? Basically, Mr. Scomer said with no shame that Australia would not give it back to Timor, um, even though it actually belongs to us. They would not give it to Timor voluntarily. And I think that it's the Australian government who wants to take from us. And I know the kind-hearted Australian people will not allow this to happen because they they are always in support of us and a lot of our comrades will help us to make sure that you know justice is served and until justice is served um you know it's it's not fair for everybody it is not good for australia in the international sort of arena for doing that and you know it's really bad for timo because we needed the money we needed to to um, build our country to be a better country, to be a healthy country, to be a country that is able to to stand on its its feet, and you know, and at the end of the day, again, we all we want is justice. We want what is belong to us. We want Australia to be fair, and you know, we we call Australia as a fair income country. So please do sh- show it to us. Um, show it to the Timorese people what a fair-income country Australia is, not just a slogan, but just do it by the Act, because at the end of the day, um, the Act is louder than just a slogan. And and I know, like, um, Timorese people will always thank its, its friends, um, and we wanted to thank um, Witness K and Bernard Collari for coming out and speaking the truth 
And we wanted to thank all the Australian people who have been supporting us all these years in our struggle. And the struggle is not the end. And, you know, until that we get what what is fairly of ours, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, we're not going to stop, basically. So Timor need to need everything they, that they have to be able to grow. Well, thank you so, so much for your time on the program. Was there anything you wanted to add? Well, to be honest, I actually still um, ask for the Australian community, the Australian people to, to, be, um, to be actively advocating for justice um, surrounding you know, the world. And I know Australians are, Australian people are very good at that. The last thing that I wanted to uh, deliver is a message that um, Australian government should stop the charges. Mr. Christian Porter, please drop the case, drop the case against Witness K and Bernard Collari. They are a hero. They should be. They should be. Um, you know, give honour and medal for doing the right things because if you want to teach our children and future children about doing the right thing and we should set that that example and the last thing that I want to say is the stealing that is done to East Timor is not done by the Australian people it is done by Australian government. That was Carla Chung from the United Workers' Union. She's also an East Timor independence activist. We've been discussing East Timor's future in the context of the 20-year anniversary of the independence referendum. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.